0: On today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. There's many steps to make us sick over our lifetime. And most of us just go along with the status quo and take these steps, and we ensure a life of sickness. And then the sick care system gets to make tons of money. Hi guys, welcome back to
1: another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Swan. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, please rate and review. It helps me so much and it really helps me to get this podcast out to more people and I really appreciate it a lot. So this is part two of my conversation with Molly Englehart. So if you have not listened to part one yet, please go back and listen to that and then circle back around and
0: listen to part two. I hope you enjoy. My husband is Mexican. He's from Oaxaca. He comes from a small indigenous community and when he got here to America... Food was so cheap compared to having to forage for it, harvest it, go fishing for it, raise a chicken in your yard and make tamales out of it. They put
1: wow.
0: like what it was so cheap when he got here and he was young and he just and he had a job and he was sending money home and he was just eating and he never ate fast food. He said fast food never sat well with him for whatever reason. He didn't grow up on it. It seemed weird that it was all already made and wrapped in stuff. But he ate, (laughs) but he ate, he ate a lot of meat, a lot of heavy, 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 cheap food. Right. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly how old he was, but it was after we were married. And I think he was 25. So pretty young. He had like a panic attack or a, a mini stroke or I don't know, but he was like, his heart was beating. His arm was numb and he was at work and he left and he went to the clinic next door and the doctor told him to calm down. She gave him something to calm him down. They, she took all his vitals and she took his blood pressure and everything. And his cholesterol, they did a test on everything, and his cholesterol was over 700, which is like fucking really <gasps> for a 25 year old is That's crazy really high. high. Oh my crazy God. high. And she was like, You're literally going to have a heart attack, and you're a young young man who just had a baby, so you should do something. So she gave him a prescription for some kind of medication. And I am significantly older than my husband and been in this country for a long time and am in the food, uh, healthy food business. And so I said, baby, can we just try something? Just try something. I'm not asking you to be vegan. I'm not asking you to give up your culturally relevant and important foods. I'm asking you when you're working to eat at Sage. And I'm asking you to eat at home. When you're eating at home, eat vegan with me. And when you're out by yourself, you're doing running errands or whatever, eat whatever you want. But at work, eat at Sage. Don't go across the street to the road, rodeo, rodeo or whatever. don't go to the taco truck across oh, the yeah, street. Oh, yeah, in Echo Park. Yeah. <laughs> and and don't and when you're at home, if we get takeout or eat whatever I'm eating, eat the vegan option. And then when you're out about in your world, eat whatever you want. So he did that for 30 days. And he went back to the doctor. He never took the medicine. Starts with an L. I can't remember it. But anyways, it was for blood, for cholesterol. The doctor literally came over to talk to me. She walked out of her clinic and walked over to Sage. She's like, I need to talk to you. And I said, what's up? And she said... She's from Sun Moon, that medic uh it's it used to be behind oh, my restaurant, but now it's yeah. on the other side behind the bike shop. Right. So she walks over and she's like, What did your husband do? It went down to 169. Oh my God. In 30 days. And I was like, he just stopped eating meat and dairy. And she was like, No, I can't just I I my customers all my customers, my patients all the time are telling me, I tell them to eat less red meat, eat less dairy, eat less fat. And they always tell me they are, but there's no difference, even with the medication. And I said, well, he never took the medication. Here's the prescription. He never fulfilled it. And she was like, he told me that, but I wasn't sure because she has a very thick accent as well. And he does. And they don't speak the same language. And they both have thick accents. So she wasn't sure she fully understood. So she came to talk to me. And my husband was like, I told you I didn't do anything. And um, so I I'm not I don't believe anybody should give up the foods they love the foods that remind them of their mother and their grandmother like I'm never telling anybody that what I'm telling you is fried chicken should be special because a chicken a sentient being died for that meal so maybe we don't need to have fried chicken every day I had a foster kid and I said fried chicken should be special and he said. Why should it be special? Like he just thought like fried chicken is like the like, normal thing to eat every day. And I was like, no, 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 Christian. Um, and That's so, so I think that the reality of I don't want anybody to give up the foods that they love. I want people to learn to love other foods and have the foods that make them feel safe, make them feel at home, make them feel all those childhood memories in moderation, because the reality is those foods may not be the best for your body. And even if they're the best for your heart and your soul, you you only need them sometimes for your heart and your soul, but your body yeah. needs other stuff every single day.
1: Yeah, that's so important. And and I would even take it a step further and say, you know, on those occasions that you do find yourself wanting the fried chicken, buy an organic chicken and make it at home. Because then you're not getting all the uh, the pesticides and the GMO feed that was fed to the chicken. Not to mention the antibiotics and all the injections that those chickens were getting. And then on top of that, the inflammatory oils like canola oil, which is a whole other story. But I always tell people, I'm like, don't give up your favorite foods. Just buy organic,
0: healthy ingredients and make it at home. I say that all the time too. And if you make okay, if you make something from scratch even if it's lasagna, if it's chocolate chip cookies, if it's even if it's the most decadent kind of food like if you make a cheesecake, it's a lot of work. You're not going to make cheesecake every freaking day. So when you yep. do it, it's special. But yeah. if you go to the store and buy a cheesecake, you'll eat the family'll just like mow it down and the next day you buy another one and another one and another one. That's not sustainable for our bodies, no matter. Yeah with the chemicals or without the chemicals. But when you're making it, you'll have it in moderation. And I just think less than a hundred years ago, every other person was growing at least a significant portion of their food. Right now in your life, in your community, like how many people are growing a significant portion of their food? I'm not talking about herbs in their window. I'm saying like a significant- I
1: I, I literally know like one friend that does. And she lives on a farm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I think that we have forgotten the importance, like the value of food. When people say it's a privilege to eat expensive food, they've got it all backwards. It's a privilege to eat cheap food. And the... and. Why do we have it in our mind that food should be so cheap? Why is a hamburger, why can you still get a hamburger for a dollar and you could get a hamburger for a dollar in the fifties, except for we've had like 100% inflation since then. Why is meat still so cheap? Why do we subsidize corn, soy, beef, and chicken, and we don't subsidize healthy vegetable farming? Why do we subsidize conventional farming and not organic farming? Why? Why? Because Because it's all about the money. It's all about the money. And here's the thing. There's many steps to make us sick over our lifetime. And most of us just go along with the status quo and take these steps. And we ensure a life of sickness. And then the sick care system gets to make tons of money. And where is the outrage? Because there is outrage out there right now about health care, There's outrage out there about COVID. There's outrage out there about your neighbor having a party. There's outrage out there about somebody was at the dog park without a mask on. Great. That passion. I appreciate that passion. But my question is, where is the outrage about the plastic? Where's the outrage about the interrupters? Where is the outrage about sugars and canola oil and all the things that are causing cardiovascular disease? What is the number one cause of death in the United States in 2020? Do you think it was COVID? Disease. It was no. not COVID. It was cardiovascular disease. Do you? What was the number two cause of death in 2020? Do you think it was COVID? It was not COVID. No. It was cancer. What was the number three cause of death in 2020? It was COVID. But what was ninety percent of those cases? Comorbidities were also had cancer and or cardiovascular disease. Cardiovascular disease. So ninety percent or diabetes, or diabetes, which is also diet driven, by the way. Of course, it's diet driven unless it's these are type- all
1: diet driven.
0: Yeah, unless all it's type di- one. Yeah, and and what was the number four? It's medical mistakes. So why do we trust our doctors? It's normally number three. Most years, COVID pushed it out. But normally, the medical mistakes are the number one, uh, number three cause of death. So mm-hmm. why do we give our doctors so much power? I Did know. you ever read this book? I'm totally plugging a book that I have nothing to do with <laughs> just right now. But it's called Black Box Thinking. No, but I'm going to write that down. Okay, so it's talking about the difference between the aviation industry and the medical industry. And it uses these as two examples to tell people how they can be in their business. And basically, the black box, the idea of black box thinking is about not making people wrong and letting people make mistakes and then learning from those mistakes, taking responsibility from them and making changes and how the medical industry never does that. It's the same conversation. It's one in a million. Oh, it could happen. You signed a waiver. Like, it almost never happens. Just human yeah. error. Doctors are humans too. But that's, they don't say that when a when a pilot crashes a plane, nobody's like, oh, it's human error. And, but like, literally, oops. we have a 747 falling out of the sky in medical mistakes. I think it said every week in this book. So it's crazy and we're not doing anything about it. And so... I love doctors. I'm not trying to talk shit on doctors, but what I'm saying is, we can't give our power away. You are in your own body, and I promise you, you have beautiful intuition of what's going on. Yeah. I've I've literally had the experience of getting a medication and holding it in my hand, like, and I've been like, oh no, my body, I I I'm cool on that, and not taking it. And I've only taken antibiotics like four times in my whole life. I have went to the hospital to have my first child after a failed attempt at home. and I had my next two at home and I had a miscarriage and I went to the hospital for that. But essentially, I don't go to the hospital and I didn't really need to go to the hospital for the miscarriage, but I was under the misinformation in my head that maybe they could save the baby and it was actually a mistake. I should have stayed home and lost the baby. At home, it's it's okay, and it's yeah. important to talk about because so many women don't talk about it. And then when I had a miscarriage and I was distraught, like I didn't think I would be that distraught. I was so distraught, and then everybody was like, "Oh, I had a miscarriage! I had a miscarriage!" I was like, "Oh my god, why doesn't people talk about this?" Right? What I felt so alone and so like, what's wrong with my body? But anyways, it's very common that. It's very common and it's your body just priming and getting ready. And literally life is such an amazing miracle. Two cells come together and they reproduce and reproduce and reproduce so fast. And if one little thing goes wrong, your body says, "Uh uh-uh, start over because we don't want to make a weird malfunctioning human being. And yeah. they prime your body and you get, and then get you ready to go again. So there's nothing, no shame in it. There's nothing to feel bad. It actually means that your body's working, it's present to what's going on and that something went wrong and your body's shedding that and going back to start over again. So yeah. I don't think that people uh, talk about it enough, but I, I diverse. I never go to the hospital and except when I had a serious, I had a broken coccyx bone with my son that had healed wrong and my son couldn't get around the coccyx bone and they had to give me some pain medication to break my coccyx bone. So, um, and then he had to be vacuumed out because he was stuck in a weird position. Mm. I was super grateful for the hospitals. I'm super grateful. My best friend died of breast cancer. I'm super grateful for all the medical caregivers that over three years of in and out of hospitals, I I. I could cry to think of all these women and men who cared for her over those years. So I'm not saying anything negative about doctors right now, but I'm saying we can't give our power away. Can't give our power away to doctors, to governments, to lawyers. To We know we have a, a guiding, we are part of the whole that is spirit, universe, nature, God, whatever your word for it is. And we are expressing that that is love God universe at all times through our thoughts our speech our belief our actions and our attitudes and we have to trust our connection we have to trust that we're part of the whole and do our best to be the best cell that we can be in the body and the best cell in the body would eat the best fuel yeah yeah
1: Well, and I think with our industrial agriculture, we've gotten so far from nature now that people don't even, um, it's almost like, it's like our, our bodies and our innate need to fuel our bodies and our palate have all been hijacked because now so many are out of touch and out of intuition with what they actually need to fuel their body because they're so driven by cravings, you know, with sugar. And then the food scientists that we were talking about earlier, they're concocting these Um, you know, just chemical concoctions in our food that are making them highly addictive. And what we need to be doing is getting back to nature and getting back in touch with what our bodies actually crave for fuel and really need for fuel
0: and to nourish our bodies. For sure. But we don't, we're out of touch with nature in so many different ways. I mean, we look at these sterile orchards and, and this is the thing about, The vegan and the not vegan and the farm. Like, the farm that just grows one thing is killing rural America, is killing small towns. Mm. If you have animals and you have different kinds of crops and you have maybe some agro-tourism and you have perennials and annuals and all this stuff, you have employees and You have a veterinarian in your town and a tractor store and a tool supply and a mechanic. But if you have one guy managing thousands of acres with some big equipment, and that's it, Hmm. the the community dies around you. So do we want the farms to be something that fuels communities around them? Or do we want them to be monocultures that kill communities around them? And then that food goes out to the urban centers and kills everybody there. That's not what we want. No. But we do need people to recommit to the earth. We need people to choose better because right now the average age of a farmer is 70 something. Mm. I'm a young I'm 43 and I'm like the youngest farmer around. Out here that I know, and everybody's like, "Oh, you'll learn, you're uh, you're young and like <laughs> and in any other career, I wouldn't be like the baby, but I'm like the baby out here, right, yeah, and that's fine, but what happens right now? We're constantly talking about this guy on our street is eighty something, and this guy is eighty something, and I just bought a new property that's right down the street from my The guy was 97. His kids were 77 and nobody wanted it. So what what happens? What happens if we don't get new, young, in quotation marks, people to want to custodian the land? Yeah. We have to care beyond our own stratosphere. Like, I could totally have a much easier life. I could live in LA. I could make good money with my restaurants. I could go home. And lay by a pool and feel good about that I'm selling, I'm serving thousands of plant-based meals a day. My job is done. But that's not enough. The world is a system. The world is a system, and we have to be the best part of the system. So we can't look through a narrow view of just not eating meat or just not uh doing this or not doing that. We have to look at the whole world, and how do we function in it as the best participant? We're all roommates on a rock flying through space. Are you going to be the best roommate, or are you going to be the roommate who loses the dishes in the sink every single day? I'm going to be the best roommate. I'm not going to leave the dishes in the sink every day. And. That's my commitment. And I want to beg, to plead with my friends, my family, your listeners. There is so many more people than me that can afford to do this. Yeah. I was talking to my friend the other day and she she was like, well, I only have this much money in the bank and I only have this much money in Bitcoin. I only have this much. (laughs) I mean, if I put a down payment on a farm, I'd have nothing else. And I was like, oh, yeah, when I put my down payment, I had to borrow 80 grand from my dad and I had nothing else and there was no money in the bank. And like, yes, because that's what matters. Like, this is the most important conversation that we're not having. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's being drowned out by other things and our attention is being directed in different ways so that we don't actually, uh, or so that we as a public are not aware of what's really, really going on.
0: Of course, it's all a PSYOP.
1: Yep. And this is what I was trying to say earlier with the vegan thing. And I I want to preface this by saying that this is not at all against being vegan. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm fully supportive of the vegan movement, but this whole narrative right now that you got to buy Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers, and that's how we save the world. And that's how we save the environment. And I'm sorry, but that narrative is completely false. It's just lining the pockets of these agrochemical corporations further. It is
0: a hundred percent not true. They come packed in four packs, packed in plastic. Plastic. And I don't care if it's plant plastic. Plant plastic turns to microplastics that end up in the ocean the same as petroleum Mm. plastics. Like to say, if you go and you you made plastic out of canola oil or you made plastic out of diesel or you made plastic out of petroleum or you made plastic out of cord oil, it's all still plastic. It all still is endocrine interrupters. It still kills fish. Like, there's nothing. I actually transferred to plastic cups in my restaurant and everybody was like, why did you do that? And I said, because it's greenwashing. We're growing GMO corn as a mono crop to make plastic cups that people can feel good about after their yoga class. And the reality is I can get a plastic cup that is 100% post-consumer recycled plastic. Yeah, It's better. It's better. I'm taking less making less plastic in the world, it's better. And people were had a hard time with that. But the reality is there's also nowhere in LA to compost those plastic composted bowl cups. And so I'm not sure that it makes a difference to do that. It just makes people feel better about it so they don't feel as obligated to bring their own cup. During COVID, you're not allowed to bring your own cup. But- Um, That's contributing to a lot of other issues right now. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started because with everything's to go, everybody's like, "Oh, we're saving the planet because people aren't driving during COVID." I own a restaurant, and my to-go wear is up. It's so big that we had to create an extra, different line and separate it out because managers (laughs) were going to not get their bonuses because controllables were so out of control because it's such a big portion. Wow. Of everything. So, and the thing is, is like, just everybody saying like, oh, we're not driving. Okay, great. We're not driving. That we should drive less. We should ride a bike. I 100% agree with that. But when we eat everything out of a styrofoam or a plastic or a box that's paper or plastic lined container, think about how much more trash we made in 2020 than we did in 2019. Yeah,
1: it's infuriating. It's
0: crazy pants. So- We can't just, again, it's about the system. We have to have a systems mentality. When you think about your body, it's a system. And we can't just like give it a pill and keep eating canola oil over here. We have to, if you want to go with medicine, if that's urgent, but you still need to take the steps to give your body. Food should be something that's feeding your body, not something that your body has to overcome and survive. Yes. yes. And food is something that we have to overcome and survive at this point. It's not something that's feeding your body. And I noticed that once you train your palate to what is nourishing you, I, I sit around a table with people almost every night that get to eat food off of the farm. And it's like, it's palatable. You can hear people like, they're bo- they're making... Noises that you don't make when you're just eating. Like, I mean, it's like, "Mm, mm, oh my God. The other day, my husband was like, stop. My body's just really enjoying this food. Don't talk. (laughs) I'm like, okay, great. But it's like, it's so, you can feel it. Like, we made these roasted beet, roasted root vegetable bowls with the turmeric rice and fresh sprouts on top and a tahiti dressing. And people were like, making verbal noises with their mouths, like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. And I've had multiple people say from the CSA or what having stuff from the farm and saying like, I, my body, I felt there was something in this food. There was something in this that my body was like, I need more of that. But we have to train our body to even pick up on that because we're so uh, disconnected. We're trained to these other things. A a quick funny story is I grew up in a small town and there was, I didn't eat fast food because we were vegan. And then a Taco Bell came to town and there was a lot of propaganda when I was in high school about Taco Bell having vegan options. And this was like,
1: I remember that. this was
0: big Taco Bell vegan options propaganda. And I remember starting to get the seven layer burrito with no cream and no cheese. And this was like a big thing. And I remember having a conversation with my mom. I'm like 16. I'm like, mom, there must be something in. And I was like, rice and beans that my body really needs because I'm like always craving Taco Bell. Like, no, it was an MSG. Like MSG is in it. And that's why I was craving it. But because I grew up in a house where we thought about food and everything, I was thinking of it like, I, I mean, maybe I'm just not getting enough protein and beans and rice is a complete protein or whatever. Like I really... Didn't know at sixteen that it was, and my mom, my mom was like way down the conspiracy rabbit hole at all times. So my mom was like, "Oh, you know, they're putting some chemicals in that to get you addicted. You shouldn't be eating that stuff." Um, and turns out she, she was wasn't. Right. She turns out she was like, right. eh, Turns out she was right about a lot of stuff. I had to apologize about telling her to stop sending me emails a couple years ago. <laughs> she no, yeah, she's she's uh she's awesome. She's a uh, ayahuasca shaman in Hawaii.
1: Damn, I might have to go visit her in Hawaii. I've been wanting to do ayahuasca.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool. Awesome. She's it, She has a church in Hawaii. It's awesome. That's
1: amazing. Okay, I might, <laughs> might have talked to you about that later. Um, so for people listening, what are some things that they can start doing in order to be a part, like a very uh, vital part of this movement? whether that be, you know, buying CSA boxes or, and I know you talked a lot about this, um, buying farms and being able to grow your own food. But let's say for someone that really just does not have the ability to do that, what are some other things that they can do that will make a big impact?
0: I know lots of people don't have the ability to do that. I'm not, I'm just saying, I also know that we live in LA. There's people that can. Um, Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, I have a couple (laughs) of friends actually that have been saying this year, they're like, wow, more than ever, I want to buy land and go out. So there are people that are definitely talking about it, but... Um, you know, I think that
0: for everyone. going to the farmer's market and there's really awesome things with the farmer's market and like snap. And like, even if you're on food stamps and there's all these ways that you can still buy local organic produce from your farmer's market, even if you're on food stamps and the farmer's markets give you, is it double? I think it's double. There's like a, because it's a program to support farmers and to support, um, People, if you were to get $10 at the grocery store, you get it gets to be double and it's $20 at the farmer's market. That's a great
1: incentive.
0: And so, and we are in the process of being able to take snap for our boxes. So we're gonna be able to take food stamps for our boxes. The inspector actually I gotta check about that because she came out last two weekends ago and did the inspection. Amazing. So hopefully that's gonna be happening. But buying From your local farmer's market, buying from your local farmers, buying from farmers that have good practices, asking people what their practices are, getting people that are about building soil, about carbon sequestration. We literally only have 50 harvests left with the topsoil that we have. Forget whether you believe in climate change or not, whether you think that climate change is a fear-mongering thing or you think it's real. Either way... This is separate from that. What I'm saying is the way we till our soil, it blows away into the ocean. It blows away into whatever, and it goes away. We have to change the way we're managing our soil. Yeah. So that is the one thing. And if you live here in L.A., You can be super lazy and support super hard because I will deliver a box to your door every single week of the most nutrient-dense fresh produce you've ever had. And you get to experiment and play with seasonal veggies. And um, so you can do that here in the Los Angeles area. And I'm sure there's CSAs everywhere. Ours is not a traditional CSA. You don't have to pay for a year. You can pay month to month or week to week. Um, But... And we've, we did really great during COVID, but now that people are getting more comfortable and going out, they are not supporting as much. They're more inclined to go to the grocery store. But I highly encourage people to continue to support the local farms that they supported through the pandemic. Because remember that your farmer had to gear up and take care of everybody when the supply chain's. The food supply chains were bad in certain areas when wow. the, there was just not enough food. The grocery stores were empty. Your farmer geared up and they planted more food. And as I know, as someone who has 30,000 onions in the ground and my is sales are declining or 20,000 cabbage heads in the ground or, I mean, uh, 20,000 wow. tomatoes in the ground and people are changing their buying habits... That's hard for us because we were, we geared up, the farmers geared up to support. Try to remember to continue to support them. Even if you feel safe at Whole Foods now, I think that you still want to support those people that worked as a frontline worker through the entire pandemic and felt safe enough to drive around and deliver to your house and take care of you during that time. Yeah. Let's not abandon our farmers now that we feel safe at the grocery store.
1: Well, and there's a lot of different arguments to support that as well, because your food traveled less. Um, if you're buying from the grocery store, that produce, some of that produce traveled all the way from New Zealand. I've seen apples from New Zealand in the grocery store. So if you're looking at it from an environmental perspective, also from a nutrient dense perspective, you're getting so much more nutrients in your food when you're buying locally. And even a budget perspective, I've been buying your CSA boxes, which I'm obsessed with by the way, and they last me up to two weeks. And I get more produce than I, I mean, I usually end up inviting friends over to make dinner with me because I'm like, yo, I have so much vegetables right now. Like I need people to come help me eat it. And for $35, I could never get that much produce in the grocery store. And it is organic. It's more nutrient dense than the food that I've been buying from the grocery store in years. And I just, I cannot speak highly enough about it. So if you guys are in LA, definitely check out those CSA boxes.
0: I, I appreciate your enthusiasm and I hope that more people are enthusiastic towards it because it really is a currently a labor of love (laughs) Uh, but I think that it can I think it can work for the farm and I think it can be profitable but we really do just need to scale um, our numbers up a little bit and I do think that it is a really good value and I think it encourages people to eat more vegetables eat more leafy greens yeah. And so that all being said, please support your farmers wherever you are, please. And as far as the food, like if you're getting apples right now at the grocery store, they were either grown in New Zealand or they were kept in cold storage since October of last year. Either way, oh why why are you eating apples right now? Like this is not the season for apples. Yeah. In our CSA box right now, the fruit is We have strawberries, we have citrus, we have avocados, which are our fruit. But the fruit is always going to be seasonally relevant to where you live. And that's important. I always talk about, I don't ever crave pomegranates when it's not pomegranate season. But as soon as it's pomegranate season, I'm like this, (laughs) I just can't get enough pomegranates because there's like something in it that I need that time of year. And there's something about in in-season fruit that is just, it feels so good in your mouth. And the other thing I want to say about that is someone the other day told me they got my CSA box and my avocado never turned ripe. And I was like, you say never too soon. The average avocado in the grocery store is 30 to 40 days out from being picked. So Hmm. sometimes an avocado, if it's fresh, we just picked it, may take 30 days to ripen, but if you get a box every two weeks or whatever, you'll always have avocados yep. coming along. But the woman called me back and she said, "Actually, you're right. It ripened like a little bit later, but it's the to say it never ripened. But a lot of food loses avocados. Obviously, they need to ripen, but there's a lot of food that loses its nutrient density in the first 48 hours. The for every 48 hours, it loses some of its uh minerals, some of its nutrients. And so when you're ordering from any of the CSAs around you, or if you're in LA and you're ordering from Soa Heart Farm, you know that that produce was either picked that morning or the day before. And that's what you know. And it's going to last in your refrigerator. Now, granted, we don't dip it in any kind of weird chemicals, so some food lasts a long time in your fridge because it's been dipped in something to kill any pathogen that may uh start to make it decompose. We do not because we need those microbes for our gut. We need those microbes for our gut. So if you want to sterilize your food, that's on you, but we don't sterilize it for you.
1: I love that. And then you think about, um, let's say your tomatoes or something that you bought at the grocery store. They were probably on a truck for like two weeks before they got to your grocery store. Whereas if you buy from your local farmer, like you said, you get it picked either that morning or, you know, the day before. It's a huge difference.
0: Also, tomatoes that are grown in the grocery store are most likely, unless they're sauce tomatoes or whatever, they're most likely grown hydroponically. And hydroponic tomatoes, when you take nitrates and you don't have it go through the microorganisms and the microorganisms then feed it to the roots and have it go process it and make it into food for the plant, it's still just nitrates. So those the roots of the plant just take up the nitrates, and yes, your plant grows crazy big. I was a pot grower. I love hydroponics for that uh, when I did that. But when you take nitrates and it just goes up into the tomato and now it's still nitrates, nitrates are carcinogenic. A tomato has lipids and all this stuff that's cancer-fighting that grew in soil. And a tomato that was grown in hydroponics is carcinogenic. And so there's no question whether we should be eating Soil-grown food or hydroponic food. I'm glad we have the technology. And if it all hits hits the fan and we're all like cyborg as we want to be living in cities and growing in towers and like huge buildings in New York City, I guess we're glad that we have that technology. But we have an opportunity to farm alongside of nature and help reverse the damage we've done. Draw down carbon and build soil. We have that opportunity right now. But we, the people that are willing to do it, can only do it if people like you and other people out there are willing to support our mission and think that our mission has value. And I don't want to fight with anybody on the internet. And if you don't like what we're doing, there's lots of other places to buy food. But if you are at all inspired about being in growing food with nature being in nature and eating food that is grown in healthy soil without any fertilizers pesticides or anything like that that's what i'm providing and i need people to want to buy that for it for us to keep doing that
1: yeah well love that so much um i want to ask you one more question that i ask everyone before we go what are your health non-negotiables? Those can look like so many different things. Like for example, for me, um, I only buy organic produce. so basically anything that comes into my house is only organic, and um, I make sure that I have greens with at least one meal a day and I always make sure that I have vegetables with every meal. And those are kind of non-negotiables for me that no matter what, I always make sure happens for me every day that, that provide um, that are that help me with, with staying on track with my health.
0: And so what would be yours?. Um, I eat greens every day. I didn't know, I never thought of it as like a health non-negotiable, but (laughs) I eat greens every day. My kids, so my kids can't watch a screen until after dinner, after dark, after vegetable, and after a bath. So I I guess for my kids, they have to eat a vegetable to get screen time, um, among other things. But that, um, so that's a non-negotiable in my house that the kids can't just like eat some toast and some crackers and go upstairs and get to watch their TV show um so that is a non-negotiable. I'm a little bit of a roundup Nazi like I it even sometimes causes fights with my husband when he's like ordering takeout and I'm like I don't want to eat that. Like I don't eat flour out I don't eat like flour out in the world. I don't want to eat food that was sprayed grades that were sprayed directly okay. with that. So we don't eat of the flour that comes into our house, if it's pancake mix, if it's crackers, if it's anything, is organic. So um, I I think all the... It goes without saying that all the vegetables that come into my house uh, are from the farm, so they're all organic. And then in the restaurants during the pandemic, uh, we we had to make some adjustments of what was available, and we had some non-negotiables. So we... Because... It was crazy with the food chain, supply chain, and stuff for exactly. a little while there. And so the non-negotiables were: we were never going to have any of the dirty dozen, not organic in the restaurant. So no spinach, okay. no um, none of those were going to be. No flour, no grains there were going to be, and um, no flowers, no grains, none of the dirty dozen, no strawberries. Uh, I can't. I think that that was like oh, and no, no root vegetables uh, uh, because they sit in the the ground and we were getting the smallest potatoes like you couldn't believe. And people were like, your French fries are so ugly. They're wilty. There wasn't a French fry bigger than this big. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know. How can I be my commitment in the world and make my customers happy? But um, that's hard. So that's my non-negotiable. And can I just make a request? And this is a request I make of the consumer is, Life is driven by consumers. So if you're willing to eat a lemon that's not perfectly yellow or has a tiny little scratch on it from a branch, farmers can make a living wage. If you're willing to eat an orange that's not perfectly orange and it has a scratch on it, we throw away so much food mm. because the consumer is driving the demand and Walmart and Fawns and all the packing houses are divide, driving these demands. So, my request is if you look at the produce in my box, it's fresh and it's delicious, but they're not perfect. And my request is that consumers remember that nature is not perfect and nature is not uniform. And why do we think that every peach When you get a case of peaches, organic, even if they're organic peaches at Costco, every peach is the same size and they fit in those little pockets. Somebody somewhere is throwing away all the rest of the peaches that were not that size. So my request is buy from local farms, buy things that are ugly. I don't necessarily mean from ugly produce and I don't think they're ugly, but they're different. And it's ridiculous when we have to throw away huge percentages of our crops. Naval oranges grow awesome in Southern California, but nobody grows them anymore because people won't buy navel oranges with scratches on them because they're considered a peeling orange. Everybody still grows Valencia oranges because Valencia oranges are used for juice and it doesn't matter what their skin looks like. Yeah. So- think about that. That's crazy. Like consumer demand drove it completely out of Southern California because we have too much wind and they get little scratches on them. A little scab on the skin that you're not going to eat. Doesn't matter. Same with avocados.
1: Well, that's just natural. That's literally how they grow in nature. And I, and we've, again, like I've said many times in this episode, we have become so disconnected from nature that we don't even know what real food looks like when it's growing out in nature because everything is so commercialized now.
0: People ask me, like, so everything here is organic, like, at the restaurant. And I'll say, yeah. So what does that mean? Like, tomatoes don't go to factories? I'm like, what do you know? Tomatoes don't go to—what? Like, tomatoes don't go—what does that mean? Like, people don't even know. Or I'll say, hey, guys, when people are promoting all these fake meats and everything, or that now there's going to be printer meat that they use, like, chicken cells that they grew— and they're printing, printing chicken nuggets and stuff. And I'm like, hey guys, like this is not a win for the vegan community. Like, and people on the internet will say, like, who cares if it's made in a lab? Who cares if it's made in a sterile environment? Shouldn't food be made in a sterile environment? And they're twisting it. But what I'm saying is, food should come from the earth, not from a 3D printer. Yeah, food should not be made in mass, huge quantities and stamped into patties and put into plastic containers. I want everybody to remember that just a hundred years ago, people grew their own food. Yeah.
1: And, you know, the further we get away from nature, the closer we get to disease. You know, Mother Nature knows always, us, And she provides us with everything that we need to feed and fuel ourselves and it's every time that man intervenes whether it's you know with the industrial agriculture that we were talking about or so many other different ways that we intervene instead of just learning to work with nature you know for some reason we've gotten this concept as humans that we think that we know better but uh, if time and time again if history has proved anything it's that the the further we get away from nature the sicker we become
0: always and here's the thing we that we know of, there's three to ten zeros. That's how many viruses that we know of, and people think that we can sterilize and vaccinate against nature. Everything. We cannot. We it's by the grace. Uh, we say by the grace of God that human beings evolved on this planet, but it's really by the grace of viruses and microbiome Micro-ops. that trained our. Evolution, viruses evolve us. They are our friends. They tell our bodies and our to how to evolve for the next generation. It is by the grace of God, in the shape of microbiome, that we exist on this planet. And it is important for us to remember that that microbiome will take us out as easily as it let us rise. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, I think that's a great way to end. was <laughs> really okay. powerful. <laughs>
0: okay,
1: great. Um, for everyone listening, where can they find you online and where can they, where can they find your farm as well?
0: Um, I'm in Fillmore, California, just outside of Los Angeles. We have a website. It's Soahart.com. You can sign up for the CSA there. We have an Instagram. It's soa, Soahart, And I have an Instagram at Chef Molly. And the restaurant is The Kind Sage. And we have four restaurants. There's one in Agora Hills, Echo Park, Pasadena, and Culver City. So whatever part of Los Angeles you're in. And we have our own app. Please don't order through the third parties. They take 30% and restaurants operate at super razor thin margins. We've invested highly in our own app and our own cars and our own drivers, giving people jobs. Please uh, support download the app and support us directly.
1: Yes. I love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you for being a food warrior. Uh, And the food revolution is going to look a lot of different ways. And the only social justice is food justice. And so thank you for the work that you're doing.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a Resident Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week.